Welcome to Living Chassidus. Together, let's live the Chassidus we learn. Welcome, everybody. Here we are at Living Chassidus. We are a women's organization here in Crown Heights that cares for young ladies in Crown Heights. So if you want to hear more about us, you can check us out on livingchassidus.org or check us out on any of our social media platforms on our YouTube channel and on all podcasting. You're, you're, you're the Instagram, Facebook. Ah, they should see me. Hi. Um, so that's me. I want to um, first start by explaining that we're in the midst of a beautiful program here. I'll go down here. Of an amazing program called Systematic Avoid Initiative, where the ladies do daily readings and they. Yeah, pull up a chair. There we go. I'll join you. Um, the day the ladies do daily readings of the book Counting the Omer by Rabbi Simon Jacobson. And when they do their daily reading and they do weekly journaling, which is between them and Hashem, they don't have to share with anybody, then we actually give them a prize and we also bring in an incredible speaker to come for break for them. So I want to share the prize for this week is a candle, um, a match tray. Yes, we did. We did. It's a beautiful thing when after you light candles and you have to put your match somewhere. Mm -hmm. So this is a nice place to put it. And it says a little light dispels a lot of darkness, which is a quote from the Alter So you can check it out. So a huge, huge mazel tov to everybody who earned it. I'm going to um, quickly mention your names. So we have Mazel tov to Esther Citrin, Yosef Ward Eisenberg, Sima Dashevsky, Ariela Zuckerman, Bracha Zirkin, Esther Malka Cohen, Tahila Diaz, Rachel Fenwick Smith, Sarah Schwedelson, Hannah Simcha, Shelby Aronson, Fruma Hershkovic, Chaya Matasa, Vanessa Chalam, and Adina Lapine. If anybody else um, was missed, please contact me after and please come on over to Living City Center to pick up yours. Now, we have the great, great schuss to have. Less to this one. On the oh, really? Because I, I found this. Well, we are. We're Hamish. Okay. Well, we have the incredible supposed to have Mrs. Rachi Pinson. Um, we had her a few years ago and she did a challah bake. It was actually for my birthday. So thank you so, so much for celebrating oh, my oh. birthday with me. Um, at that challah bake, we gave her book which I definitely suggest everyone um, should get a copy of this one. I mean, she also has, a, you, you have another one, but this is the one I have here. Yeah, so no, this, is the, this is the main one. Everything, this is the main one. Everything. Perfect. So this is beautiful. It is top notch design. It is just the most stunning thing I've ever seen. I have to say. So thank you very, very much for joining us tonight. You're also an incredible speaker and you are Shlucha. So yes. we are Hamish and very lucky to have you. <laughs> Enough there said. You go. I will okay. pass on the baton. The baton. Okay. Thank and you. I'm going to clip this on to me. Is that what I'm going to do? Yes. Okay. Very good. Okay. That's my bag, but that's fine. It can live down here for a little bit. Okay. Um, yeah, sure. That's a good idea. Okay. All right. Let's get ourselves settled in. Is very special. I think it's been maybe even a few years. 
Yes. Since I did this other thing for you, which was a beautiful, beautiful event. I'll never forget. It. I do many challah bakes, but it was very, very special. And especially uh, the group of women that came and the, uh, the, the passion and the love for Hasidus. You really feel it here. And I love it. So when you asked me to come, I was very happy to do this. Um, okay. So we'll get started. And anyone who walks in afterwards will be welcome to join us. All right. Okay. So ready? I didn't get your name. Hani. Nice to meet you. Good to be here with you all. Okay. So just to um, go over the topic again, although, you know, maybe we'll digress a little here and there because, you know, this is a Fabrengen style. We don't have, it's not a lecture. So we'll see where it takes us. But we are speaking tonight about, um, is it possible to change? Is change really possible? We don't often question this because we kind of, as Chassidim, we talk a lot about change and we kind of take it for granted. But realistically, is change something that's actually possible? And this is the perfect time to talk about it since we are in Chaydesh Iyar, which is a time of growth and movement and inner work, as all of you who are doing this work of the Sphere Sa'imer are well aware. So we're gonna talk about this and we'll see what kind of conclusions we come to today. Let's see if we walk away feeling like we have any kind of answer. So heard a nice story, college student asked the Rebbe, what's the job of a Rebbe? Wanted to know years back actually when the Rebbe had a little more time and there was less chassidim and there were people asked him these great questions and there were beautiful letters and responses. So a college student really sincerely asked the Rebbe, what is the job of a Rebbe? What does a Rebbe do? So the Rebbe responded with the words of the Friedrich Rebbe. He quoted the Friedrich Rebbe. And he said, in the words of the Friedrich Rebbe, there are many treasures in this earth, right? They're embedded deep in the earth. And if you don't know that they're there, or if you don't know where to look, you're just going to see rocks and dirt, right? You might even step all over them. Arebe is a geologist of the soul, a geologist of the neshama. He can tell you that uh, what you're going to find when you dig, and he can point the way. Then the Rebbe added, but the digging, you're going to have to do yourself. <laughs> the digging, and this is how the Rebbe led and continues to lead us. I'll show you what's there. I'll give you a glimpse, but the digging you have to do by yourself. And we're so lucky to be blessed with the Rebbe that we have, who reminds us that when we dig deep, we do find diamonds. And of course, that we have Tarasa Achasidus. Uh, this teaches us how to dig deeply and to polish away the dirt and refine ourselves. But the actual digging, we are the archaeologists of our own selves. We have to do the digging. We have to do this work. We have the Rebbe pointing the way and telling us what we're going to find. We have Chassidus explaining to us the process and how to do it. But the work, we have to do. Um, but, you know, just straight up, it's a hard thing, you know, if you think about it, like, I don't know, you go through a life and you try to change, try to move, try to shift something, 
And sometimes it feels like, you know, two steps forward, one step back. I feel like just like we made some progress, ah, maybe we've gotten past this issue. Maybe we've managed to get past this Yetzirah, this problematic Midah, whatever we're trying to work on. And then boom, we find ourselves back. I actually was um, reading a story that they attribute to the Rambam. Um, I don't know if you've heard of it. It's a famous story where, you know, the Rambam was very close to the Sultan. And so there were always, you know, there's a lot of stories where like the ministers are trying to bring down the Rambam. It was like a very close relationship that bothered some people. So there was a minister who was very close to the Sultan. And he said that, you know, the Rambam says that people can change and animals can't change. Animals can't change their nature. A human can change their nature. Yes, the cat story. See, I said, someone's going to know the story. Um, so they had a bet. And the guy said, I can show you that animals could change their nature. It's not such a big deal to change your nature. I And this guy was an uh, animal trainer. So they made a big feast. They invited all the people. The sultan was sitting there. The rambam was sitting there. The minister. And in walks a cat on two legs, starts serving the meal to all the guests. And everyone, wow, look at that. An animal can change their nature. So what does the Rambam do? He pulls out a little mouse <laughs> from a box that he has. Maybe they were a little less afraid of mice back then. They were more. And he drops it on the floor. And we can all guess what happens, right? The cat drops all his floors and starts, the food goes flying. He starts chasing the mouse around the room. And the Rambam proved his point. The Rambam had a lot of faith in us, in humans, because sometimes it feels like that, you know? A cat is the chakat, you know? A cat is still a cat. And sometimes we feel like, are we, is this really possible? You know, we can work on this one thing years and years in where we feel like we've overcome. And then someone drops a little mouse, you know, that little, whatever it might be, our Achilles heel. What's that? The trigger, whatever it might be, that little thing. And it just gets us. And we're like, I thought I'm past this. I thought I worked on myself. How could it be that I'm back to square one? How could this be possible? It could be very demoralizing sometimes. You could really feel a chlishas about uh, You could feel a weakening of our resolve. And what's wrong with us? You know, here we are. We're chassidim of the rag speaks about, you know, and, and we're... we're we have this gift that it's all about how to refine ourselves, how to work on ourselves. How is it possible after all of this? Um, my husband had uh, Zayde. I don't know if you've heard of Zalman Maisha. He was a big chassid. Um, he was a big character. And they asked him once the Bacham asking him, you know, like, tell us, Zalman Maisha, how, what's your, your, how did you get to where you are? So he says, 20 years, Samachvav, right? Rebbe Rashab's Mimer, 20 years, I'm working on Samachvav. Then another 20 years, Iskafia. Then another 20 years, Ishapcha. We all know these terms. And so 20 years, I'm learning this deep Mimer of the Rebbe Rashab, right? Samachvav, it's like the ultimate. Then 20 more years I'm working on Eskafya, holding myself back. Then 20 more years I'm working on Eskafya, turning things around and shifting them. And he says at the end, 
garnished. <laughs> you have to understand the chassid's al-mosha to understand if you knew who he was, it was not garnished. It was not garnished. It was far from garnished. But we can all relate to this feeling. We're working and we're working and we're working. And at the end, what do we have? Sometimes we feel like we're back to square one. You know, we wake up in the morning and here we are again. Same person. Um, I always love the Vedichever. Everything from the Vedichever. So I love this. The Vedichever, every night when he would go to sleep, he would say, Morgan Vetsein Gor Anders. Tomorrow is going to be completely different. And then he would say to himself, Ah, Levik, you said the same thing last night. Said, But today, I really mean it. Every single night. Understand? This is Avaida. This is Avaida. So these are the weeks, and these weeks in the Parsha, we're reading all about how to become Kedashim. Right? This is Emar. All of this is, is teaching us how to be holy. Maybe just says, I'm holy. You're my people. You have to be holy. And how do we sanctify ourselves through our relationships, through our friendships, through sanctifying time? Right? Today we read actually in Chumash, that we say in Kiddush on Yamtif. These are the times that you will call them. You are going to sanctify. You're going to create these holy spaces in space, in time, in your relationships. Actually, today in the Chitas was beautiful because we read about Svirasa Aimer, right? Svartan Lachem Shabbos is in today's Chomesh. It was perfect. Perfect. Yeah, I love that. Always. This is the gift of Chitas is that there's never a moment where it doesn't give some extra added dimension to your day. It really is. It's a tremendous, tremendous gift. So how do we become holy? How do we do this work of becoming Kedoshim? I always found it interesting that the word whole and holy sound very similar. I mean, there's no, this is like a Tyrus Luxon because, uh, you know, they're two English words, but if you ever made the joke about holy socks, right? Your socks are very holy. But the truth is that wholeness Becoming an Adam Shalem, a whole person, is essential to becoming a holy person. To become holy, to become Kaddish, we need to be whole with ourselves. We need to be complete in ourselves if we want to become sanctified, when we become holy. So this is what we're working on right now. This is the process. We're going from exodus to redemption. We're going from Yitzias Mitzrayim to the Geula of Matantara. We're in a journey right now. We're progressing. This is kind of like, you know, if you think about it, a person is chasshom in a bad, bad situation. I don't want to say bad relationship, chasshom. Let's say a bad job, okay? They have an abusive boss. They're in a terrible situation. And it comes upon them, this opening, this godless, this glimpse, like we get on the Seder night, this glimpse, this godless region, this glimpse of what could be this freedom, and they know they're in a terrible situation, and the only thought is to leave that situation. There's no thought to where you're going and what you're becoming, just the thoughts get out. And the person leaves. That's Yitzhia Smitraim. We left. But that doesn't automatically make them a redeemed person. 
That person now has a journey. They have this work that they have to do. They have to get to the point where that freedom is internal, where it's real to them. And that's the journey we're on now. Moving, we had this gift, godless rishon, this glimpse that we got the night of the Seder, this possibility of Yitzhak Mitzrayim, this possibility of Geula, was a glimpse that we got. And that's a gift. That was a gift, unearned. Now we have to earn it. Walking through this time of Sfirah Sa'imer, the work that we're doing now, we're earning the godless Shani. And the godless Shani is the godless that is the one that sticks. It's the one that actually can stay with us because we've earned it. We deserve it. It resonates. It's part of who we are now. It's not just a momentary glimpse of something that could be, but it's something that is innate to us and becomes a part of who we are. So this space in between, this space in between Yitzhiya Mitzrayim and Geula, it's not just an in-between time. Welcome. <laughs> and, you know, sometimes we tend to think, um, I think it's very Western culture also, which is like a very male-oriented culture about results, getting to the destination, realizing your goals, right? It's all about the final number. Do the tally. Where did we get? And sometimes we, we take the journey for granted. We think that it's just like, you know, when you're going on a trip and the flight, especially these days, I don't know if you, anyone flew these days, it's a nightmare. So the flight is just a means to an end. We're not looking forward to sitting in economy with a mask. <laughs> Nobody wants that, but we know where we're going. So we'll put up with it and we'll get there. But you know, it's interesting. <laughs> Everyone has their methods. Um, but you know, this is the thing. There's something called jet lag, right? And you know what jet lag is where our bodies haven't caught up with the distance. We've traveled a certain distance, but it took too quick. It wasn't enough of a process. And therefore we end up with a lag. We end up with a delay and our bodies need to catch up to that distance that we've traveled. So the journey is an in-between place, but it is a crucial time. There's tremendous, tremendous power in the journey. And I speak about this a lot. If you read my, my book on Chala, I definitely speak about this rising time and the process and the idea, especially as women, especially as women, that we are involved in the work of nurturing. And this is an ongoing process. It's a process that we run two steps forward, one step back, right? Make the bed, it gets slept in, wash the dish, they eat on it again. I just slept there. They just threw a box of cookies right there. It's a constant work. And it's also emotionally, we give and we have to give more. And then we have to give more. It's an ongoing process. It's not like you can nurture and then say, ah, at the end of the day, I did a good job, I'm done. Let me go to sleep for the night. It's an ongoing process. And sometimes when we're waiting for results and we think it's all about the end goal, we end up very frustrated. We end up in a state of frustration, feeling like I just did that. But when we can understand the beauty in the process and the idea that there is a tremendous quality to every single moment in time and just being present in that moment and the Rebbe spoke about this, that every single day in ER has its own bracha. There's no yomtiv in ER, right? 
it's a, uh, and Lag Bomer doesn't count. <laughs> it's a fun day, but it doesn't count as a Yom Tov. Um, so there's no Yom Tov in ear, but every single day in ear has its own bracha. Every single day is so precious. You know, Svira is like from the word Sapir, a sapphire, sparkles every single day of the Svira, sparkles with its own quality, deserves its own bracha because it's so precious. Every step in this process is crucial. It's crucial. And not talking about the end goal. So this is a month that's a bridge month. It's how we get from the place of Yitzhiyas Mitzrayim to a place of Geula. It's how we're able, it's, we're building in maturity. We're growing our Kalim so that we can receive the Torah. And that when we receive this Torah, it's not just in the wind. It actually changes us. It affects us. It transforms us so that we're not the same person we were before we heard us as a So that actually changes who we are. Um, this is the process of maturity. You know, if you, if you teach a child, you know, you could tell a kid, candy is going to make holes in your teeth. Candy has red dye number 40. It's bad for you. You're going to get hyper. I'm going to be miserable. You could tell them all the stuff. When they're going to put candy in front of them, they're going to eat it, right? And for ourselves too, there's a disconnect sometimes. We know something's not good for us. We know we probably don't eat chocolate cake right this minute, but it's there. And somehow all that information we know about chocolate cake goes out the window when we're, it's a lack, it's a, it's a dissonance, right? It's a lack of connection between the information and our behavior. The amazing story of the Friedrich Rebbe when he went once to a doctor. And at the beginning of the appointment, the doctor says to him, you know, there's new information coming out. And the Friedrich Rebbe smoked, like everyone smoked that nonstop. That was the whole day everyone was smoking. Nobody even knew there was anything, any problem. And the doctor said to him, you know, there's information coming out now that smoking is not so good for you. So, you know, maybe you smoke a little less not so good for your body. So they went on, they had the whole checkup, right? The whole appointment. And at the end, as per the, the tradition of that time, the doctor offers the Fidigrava cigarette. So what does the Rev, what does the Fidigrava say? I don't smoke. I'm not a smoker. I don't smoke. It's not, I'm trying to quit. I want to smoke less. Or I don't think I should have, I don't smoke. I'm not a smoker. It's, that is what we're reaching towards. That type of das, where it's so integrated into our very being that we become that our behavior and then information are one. We receive the tire and the Sarasadibras and every aspect of the tire becomes so much a part of our being that there's no disconnect. Our neshamas just shine through. So this is the work, you know, if we wanna get information in, and it's fascinating scientifically, this is fascinating studies about um, that when infants are not nurtured properly or not given um, the right attention or love or emotional stability, that they have a lower IQ. They actually have a harder time or they have learning disabilities. 
and you think like, what are the emotions? How does that connect to the, to the intellect? But the emotion, our emotional keli is where the intellect comes into. And without a strong emotional keli, there's, a, there's always a dissonance. There's always a separation between the way we behave and the information we're receiving. So really, I mean, if you think about the work of a mother, laying down that foundation of trust, of emotional comfort, this is the basis for all, this is Tairas Imecha, right? Shema Bani, Tairas Imecha, this is the Taira of the Ima. The trust, that trust, that emotional stability that we give to our child is the foundation for every bit of information they will ever receive in the rest of their life. And will they be able to integrate that? Will they be able to understand it on a deeper level? It all starts literally with holding the baby. <laughs> That's where it starts. Feeding the baby when she cries. That's it. Um, so it's very interesting what happens, you know, in this process here. We think about Pesach time, right? We go into this complete cleanse of chametz. We completely clean ourselves out from ego, from gaiva, right? We talk about chametz as inflammation. It's all the excess, the stuff that's blocking, the old stuff that doesn't let us bring in anything new. And we do this extreme cleanse, completely extreme, right? I mean, the, the, the uh, Isser of Chametz is like one of the strongest Isserim in the whole Torah, other than Avayda Zara, it's the same. It's so strong. So we do this intensive, intensive cleanse. And, you know, if you've ever done a cleanse before, one of these, like, you know, detox things, I confess, I have gone over to that side for a little bit of my life. But it's good. It's all part. It's all part of experience, so we can understand these things. So what happens after you finish the cleanse? That's when you're the most vulnerable, right? When you're emptied out, and then you have to start reintegrating. Because let's say you're only going on juice, you know, you have to start eating again. Can't live on juice alone. Chametz also. Chametz is not trafe. Chametz is not forbidden. Chametz is good for us. We have to start bringing it back. But how do we bring it back? This is the most crucial element. We got rid of it. <clears throat> Just get rid of it. Okay. But now we have to start bringing it back. Pizza Matriyamtev <laughs> is definitely one way. That might not be the most gradual way to bring it back. So the Torah has a different way of bringing it back. What happens? Mirach Rasa Shabbos, right? We bring, <laughs> that's after Pesach. But on Pesach, after they brought the carbon Pesach in the face of Mikdash, right? The very next day, they brought the Eimer. So we start counting Sviras HaEimer, the day that they started to bring the Eimer offering. What was the Eimer? What was this offering? What was this carbon? It was barley. Isn't that hummus? Um, no, if it's leavened, it's hummus. They brought raw barley. Raw barley. Not cooked, not leavened. Not cooked into a bread and barley is considered animal feed. It's the most lowest of the grains. So we start bringing back the chametz, but we started very gradually. We start with the animal feed. At this point, we're still like newborns. No, no moichen, no intelligence yet. It's just gradually coming back. And day by day, we carefully rebuild our kalim. 
We go through mida by mida, character trait by character trait. And we do the iskalos, right? We mix one trait with another trait. So we have a week of chesed and we work every day. How's our balance with our desire to give and our ability to hold back? And then we do the balance of chesed. And we do chesed and chesed, chesed and gvura, chesed and tiferes. Every day, just a little tiny shift, a little movement until we get to Shavuos. And what was the carbon that we brought on Shavuos? The Shtei HaLechem. The only time we brought actual chametz as a carbon. We brought the Shtei HaLechem, the two loaves of bread. We get to the point that our chametz is not just good. It's able, we're able to bring it as a carbon. It's so holy. It's so sanctified. Our kalim are so purified and refined. We can actually bring it as a carbon in the basin. This is the process that we're working through now. This is the process and how we shift, how we move. So we're counting the spheres. We're going through our midas. We're working with our nature. We're working with our character traits to transcend our nature. So back to our original question, is this actually even possible? Is this even possible? We talk so much about this in Yiddishkeit, right? Not to be stuck. Go out of your mate sarim. Lech lecha, right? The first thing Avram Avinu is told, the first, how does our story begin? Lech lecha, Leave your narrative. You don't need to be stuck in your narrative. Leave your father's home. Leave the place of your birth. Leave the circumstances of your, your past. Forge a new path. This is the whole, this is the, the mission we're given, you know? We're not stuck in sun time, right? What goes around, comes around. We're in moon time. We are in a place of shift and change, movement. We're told this over and over. And sometimes, you know, it's empowering. But then we go back to, but, but here I am. I woke up this morning and wherever I go, there I am. You know, I'm trying to get past the stuff. And 20 years, 30 years, 40 years, sometimes I'm still, is it really possible? Is this actually a possible thing? It's so hard to change. And, you know, we think sometimes in these grand moments that we can do it. It's a beautiful story with uh, Moshe Leib Sassover that he says, when I was young, I thought I could change the world. And I grew up a little and I thought, well, maybe I can change my country. Got a little older. I said, you know, maybe my village. I got a little older, got married. Realized, you know, maybe my family. Because then finally I realized, maybe, maybe I can change myself. Halavai, I could change myself. And if I do change myself, then my family will change. And my village will change. And eventually the whole world will change. But it can only start with us. We know this if you're in any relationship. Can't change anybody else. We can barely change ourselves, right? Try to work on one mida your whole life. How hard is that? But that is our avaida. That is our avaida. So what do we do? Like, you know, how do we, are we trying to break our character? We're all born with a particular nature. Are we trying to break our character? Are we trying to 
become something different? Do we want to all morph into this homogenous blob of perfection of this, like, you know, you know, like, you know, in the children's books where they have the little girl who does everything right. She says yes to her mommy and she goes to bed at night and it's like generic model child. But is that really like, is that where we're going? Is that where we're heading? Can we, can we even break our character? Do we want to? Can we? Uh, the Kutzker, who always had a sharp word, the Kutzker said that if you break a bad middah, you'll end up with two. <laughs> says you'll have the original bad middah that you started with, and you'll have the second bad middah, which is the gaiva, that you broke the middah. So it's not kedai. <laughs> it's not kedai. Um, the Balshemta once explained the difference between the Musar approach to change and the chassidus approach. And he said, imagine a thief comes in your home, breaks into your home. So what's the, the first reaction? Take a broom, you take your baseball bat, you take whatever you're holding, you run as a kid, you grab something and you start beating them, screaming at the top of your lungs, chase them out of the house. Okay, they left. You're safe for now, but who knows? could still be there. You didn't get rid of him. He's somewhere. He could be around the corner just waiting for you to drive out so he can get back in, you know, waiting for a moment of vulnerability. In Chassidus, we have a different approach. You grab a hold of the thief by the collar. And you start talking to him. And you tell him, it's not so good to be a thief. You know there's a better way. There's a beautiful life if you're connected to the Avishter and you live honestly and fully. There's a better way to live. There's a better way to be. And it might take a lifetime of talking to the thief. It might take a lifetime of talking to your own character trait that you're trying to work on, but you're working with it. You're working. It's there. It's in your line of vision and you're working with it. And eventually, that thief can become an honest man. That thief can shift, he could change. He could change the whole direction of his life. Um, the Rebbe used to say, you know, when they asked him, how come he doesn't get tired by dollars, right? We all know this. How come you don't get tired hours and one person, another person, you don't get tired. The Rebbe said, when you're counting diamonds, you don't get tired. You don't get tired when there's diamonds coming in front of your eyes. Who gets tired of seeing a beautiful diamond? But you know, every diamond, every precious stone starts off as a rock, right? And again, if you're not a Rebbe and you don't have that quality, you might not see it. You might not recognize. You might look and see dirt and stones. There's a lot of polishing involved to get to the point where a rock becomes a sparkling diamond. Friedrich Rebbe was asked, what is a chassid? And he said, a chassid is, you all know this, a lamplighter, right? But what does a lamplighter do? How does a person become a lamplighter? You have to recognize that flame that's ready to be lit in each lamp. You have to be able to look at that lamp and understand that even though it's dark, there is a wick in there just waiting to be lit. 
and how do we do this? The Fidya Kareva continues and speaks about how does one become a lamplighter? How does one become a chassid? You have to be able to see that within yourself. We have to refine ourselves. If we are coarse on the outside, then we will only see the coarseness of another person. We won't see that light that's waiting to be lit. Through the work of refining ourselves, of polishing ourselves, of getting deeper down to our essence, we see our own lamp and we recognize that in other people. You know, a cousin of mine, Dina Shusterman, just wrote a very nice article on this. And she said, you know, it's a two-part instruction. You know, when you give kids instructions and you give them a few instructions in one, and sometimes they miss part of the instruction. The haftalayacha kamaycha is a two-part instruction. There's kamaychas in there. And without kamaycha, there's no ve'ahaftalayacha. Well, if we can't recognize the diamond within ourselves, then we're not going to see that in another person. It really begins with seeing that in ourselves and remembering that it takes a diamond to polish a diamond. Only a diamond is strong enough to polish a diamond. If we want to do that work, we ourselves have to recognize the diamond that we are. And, you know, when we talk about breaking our midas or changing, it could lead us to a real nefila, could real lead us to feeling bad about ourselves. Like there are things in me that I have to get rid of, that I have to change. And this is a dangerous path to go down, you know, because the truth is that every single midah, and we go through all the midas in the sphere, we go through them seven times. Every single midah is positive and useful and important. And we are not homogenous. We are not all supposed to be the same. If you look at the story of the, of the tzaddikim, you look at the story of the avais, there's personality there, right? We talk about Avram as an ish chesed. We talk about Yitzchak as a person of Gevura. If Avram was not ish chesed, he wouldn't be who he was. And all his tests that he was given were to test if he could balance that chesed, which he proved that he could. He could balance his teva. But beteva, he was an ish chesed and he remained that way all his life. Beteva Yitzchak was an ish gevura and he remained that way all his life. We have to appreciate the gift that is our own particular character and learn to see the beauty in each midah. And this is so crucial in the way we nurture, whether it's our children, whether it's our spouse, but it begins with how we see ourselves. It really begins with how we look inward, how we define our characteristics. Let's say you're a person who um, struggles with consistency. You know, yeah, you, you struggle with giving example. I don't know anyone like this. Let's say you struggle with consistency. Actually, I might be talking about myself. Um, you struggle with consistency and you love so many things. You want to do a little bit of this. You want to do a little bit of that. Um, actually, it's funny because there's this woman who wrote this book um, and she says that her whole life she was this way and she she was passionate about this one thing, and then she would get bored. It wasn't challenging anymore. She'd find something else. She'd get passionate. This is the thing I want to do. This is the thing. And then she'd get bored of that. And she went through years of her life feeling like there was something wrong with her. Like, why can't I just, you know, what do you want to be when you grow up? Why can't I just pick one 
like those people who have the thing they do, they do it well. And finally, she decided to celebrate this aspect of herself. And she coined the term multipotentialite. You heard of that? And she said, I'm a multipotentialite. And I love that. You know, it's all about reframing the way we talk about ourselves, reframing the way we look. And sometimes we have the gift of a, a parent who framed our personality perfectly and gave us that gift of the awareness that every one of our characteristics are perfect exactly the way they are or have perfection within them. But sometimes you hear voices in your head, maybe they're voices of people in your childhood who tell you, you know, you shouldn't be so messy. You're messy, you're inconsistent. You, you know, stick with one thing. And Taka, there are areas in life where we do need more gavura, more nitzachan, this perseverance, this idea of being able to create boundaries and limitations. But also there's the opposite side, right? And they're all necessary. We need every type of person. And every person is a gift. The person who's maybe not consistent, and maybe he's interested in a lot of things, also a person who's, who's able to change and adapt and able to be spontaneous and able to celebrate many and maybe bring together all sorts of information from all the different aspects of life that they've collected it from. Every person is a gift. Every mida is a gift. So what we just need to do is create a balance. We're not trying to destroy any one of our character traits. We're not trying to change and morph into a different person. I should be like that person. No, right? When Zisha goes, when Zisha says, when I go up, they're not going to ask me, why wasn't I Maisha? They're going to ask me, why wasn't I Zisha? So we need to look inside and recognize our potential and understand the greatness that each of our midas presents, like what our particular characteristics present, and then work on balancing because it's all about the alignment all about creating a balance with those beautiful characteristics that define who we are in our character. So how do we change? We change very, very slowly. That's how we change. We change, shift happens one tiny step at a time. Um, my brother, who's a, a Rav in Cape Town, also in Cape Town, actually told me a beautiful story. Someone in his community came to him and he said he asked him a real question. Sometimes you get a real question. You know, it comes from a very deep place in the person's heart. So the person said to him, you know, Yom Kippur that year was on Shabbos. He said, I know, Rabbi, I'm going to imagine the South African accent. Right? This was a young man, very successful, loved to party hard. Every weekend he was out driving his Lamborghini, doing what he did. He says, you know, Rabbi, I'm going to be in shul the whole Yom Kippur. And that's a I'm going to keep Shabbos and I'm going to daven, I'm going to do teshuva for every Shabbos that I break. And I'm going to tell Hashem, I really want to keep Shabbos. I really want to do teshuva for breaking Shabbos. But he says, I know. Comes the Shabbos after Yom Kippur. I'm back out in that Lamborghini. I'm out on the town. I, I'm realistic. I, I know I'm just not, I'm not there. So my brother said to him, you know, you really truly in your heart want to honor Shabbos. It's not a lie. When you tell the Abishter, I want to keep Shabbos, you do. You're not there yet. So one thing, one little thing to honor Shabbos. One little thing. Maybe you have special outfits that you know that you really like. You save them for Shabbos. Maybe you dive in one little piece 
of Shabbos davening. One way that you're going to honor Shabbos. That's it. Of course, postscript to the story, 13 years later, and he's a fully Shimer Shabbos. But it's really, it's one what tiny step. What's that? What do I don't know. <laughs> and it's not relevant because it's, this story is about each one of us and about the way we shift in our lives and how we choose. I always say that uh, why is Chala such a passion of mine? I travel around the world. I teach Chala. I say it's, it's a gateway mitzvah. Mm. You know, who has a problem with Chala? <laughs> Nobody, even if you're celiac, I have gluten-free challah. Nobody has an issue with challah, right? No one's going to complain about this mitzvah. But what happens, and I have actually beautiful stories of person after person, like from the shluchim that I traveled to, that they said they loved making the challah so much, they decided they're going to do it every Friday. And one group actually in, in Binghamton, uh, they, a beautiful, these, this group of women said, we're going to start a club. Every Friday, we're going to get together and bake challah. And then one woman from that group said, she started making challah and she tells her husband, if we're having challah, you should already make kiddush, <laughs> right? So then they had a Friday night meal. So once they had a Friday night meal, they stayed home Friday night. And then once they did that, they said, it's already Shabbos. You know, we should go to show on Shabbos. What do you know? The next thing they're keeping Shabbos. It starts with one little shift. If we say, I want to be a better mother, it's beautiful. It's a beautiful sentiment. I want to be a better friend. I want to be on time every day. I don't want to be late ever again. Great sentiments. We need to change. We need to work on ourselves. But you know, it's, it's, it's easy to give the thing you don't have, right? <laughs> Smaller is to like give the one thing. Say, I want to be a better mother today when my children come home from school. I'm not going to pick up my phone for one hour. I'm not going to look at any screen for one hour, just today. You know, uh, the Ragachever, if you've ever heard of the Ragachever, he was the greatest genius of all time, the biggest Tamil that ever lived. And according to many, he was asked, how do you do it? How did you get to this point that you, how do you devote your entire life to learning? And he says, you know, I tricked my Yitzhar. A little trick. He says, every morning I wake up, I say to my Yitzhahara, I'm only learning today. Only today. Today I'm going to learn the whole day, but just today. Tricks the Yitzhahara. Mm-hmm. And what do you know? Day by day, ends up with a lifetime of learning Tara. So we trick our Yitzhahara little by little and one tiny movement because no movement is tiny. This is a beautiful teaching of Maisha Rabbeinu with the sneh. Maisha Rabbeinu sees the burning bush sees this bush in front of him, right? And he says, Asura Nava Era. I'm going to turn and see this. And Rashi explains, Asura Mekan Viskarev Lasham. I'm going to turn from here to get closer to there. Sounds like pretty obvious, right? I'm going to turn. So the Alter Rebbe talks about that the Baal Shem Tov says on this. So beautiful. He says, it's one tiny shift. He says, Asura Mikan, this is Chuva. Asura Mikan, I'm going to go a tiny turn from where I am right now to get a little closer to where I want to go. A little closer to the Abishter, a little closer to the holy chassid that I know I can be. But just one tiny movement gets you a little bit closer. I turn from here to get a little closer to there. 
It's one little turn. One little turn. Sha'achas, yafa sha'achas. Sha'a means a turn. Little turn, a little movement is all it takes. It's a very funny story. I also got this one from my brother. <laughs> he gives a legendary, they call it a drusha, on Friday night over there, and he has the best stories. So he's my source. Um, a very funny story. You know, the, the, uh, the, in communist Russia, they had this uh, person from high up in the communist party who would go to these little farms, these remote farms, and test the loyalty of the farmers, how loyal they were to Mother Russia, right? He comes to one farmer and he says to him, if you had five houses, who would you give it to? He says, the motherland. I would give it to Mother Russia. And he said, if you had seven oxen, who would you give it to? I would give it to the motherland. Then if you had 10 cows, who would you give? I would give it to the motherland. And if you had six chickens, who would you give it to? He says, no, 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 those I'm going to keep. <laughs> he says, what, you're going to give the oxen? You're going to keep the chickens? He says, the chickens I have. <laughs> right? So it's like the grand statement. We're going to change the, the little thing that we already have in our power to do. That's sometimes the biggest Nasir's nefesh. That's the biggest effort. Just one tiny movement. One tiny movement. And one tiny movement leads to another tiny movement. But we don't think about that, right? We trick the Eitzahara only today. Only today I'm going to do one little tiny change. But for the repertoire, was it really that hard to like sit around? I think for everybody, it's an effort. <laughs> if it wasn't an effort, it's not worth anything, right? Without a vaida, there's no, there's no worth that. And to anybody to devote their entire life to one thing is tremendous avaida. Takes avaida. That's also a good lesson, even for the Ragachavar. Like it's a, it's a treasure, like, yeah, you're like, this is this is the day, you yeah, know, like every time that's it, day, it's like it's over. That's I'm beautiful, like, exactly. Like, if we say today is the only day I'm gonna do yeah. right, imagine on Shabbos, we say this is the last Shabbos, that's it. This Shabbos is the one Shabbos. Imagine how we're gonna keep that Shabbos, <laughs> imagine the joy and the pleasure we're gonna get out of that Shabbos, right? And that's really how we live as Yidin, right. There was the story of the Yid who was in prison and he said he was only going to be given one day to do mitzvahs. He was only going to give one day to keep the tire. And he said, which day should I? And he wrote into the Rebbe, should I wait for Yom Kippur so I could keep the tire on Yom Kippur? I can fast, I can daven. Should I wait for Sukkot so I could do a little bit of Esther? And the answer was today. The day you're able to, the first day you're able to, that's it. Just today. Start with today. Today is the only day that exists. So today, what am I going to do? One little tiny thing. We don't look at the big change. We look at one little tiny thing. Tonight is actually, if you haven't counted yet, I think everybody here is probably counting. Um, it's the 32nd night of the Eimer, and um, which is Netzach Shabahid, right? So I think that really speaks to this work that we're doing here because Netzach, what is the balance of Netzach and Haid? Netzach, is this for me, actually? Mm -hmm. Thank you so much. Mm -hmm. Netzach is this outward desire to produce ambition, right? It's that ability to make things happen. It's the desire for growth, for movement. And Hayd is the humility of understanding that there's a greater power. So... A very important part of this picture is 
right? We say in Pirkei Avos, which we're learning now, which is also part of this journey to becoming a mensch. We know before we can get the Torah, first, if we want to be divine, first we have to be human, right? So first we need to be a mensch. And we say in Pirkei Avos, it's not all on you, right? You're not free to cop out on it, but it's not all on you. Just remembering that without the Abishter, nothing's possible. And this balance of movement towards change and what can we do with height, with the humility of understanding that the Abishter is holding our hand and that there's a plan for us and that we're going along with that. So this balance is what we're working on tonight and remembering that the Abishter is with us. Um, you know, when we say, when we count Sphira, we say, we should fix the pegam, this blemish, this little boo-boo that I have with this particular Sphira, whatever night we're counting, we should fix just this little midah, this, not even this, this midah balanced with this midah. And through that, I'll become tahar, I'll become pure, I'll become kaddish, I'll become holy with the kedusha of Maila. And then this is my favorite part. We say the al And through this, there will affect, it will influence a tremendous shefa, tremendous abundance. The is not just in your house, not just in your heart, one tiny little fix, one tiny little movement. And we can influence Shefarav, abundant, abundance in all the universes. One little movement on our part. And we're talking changing the whole world, not just this world, but all the worlds. So we really, this work that we're doing is the work of Hasidus, of refining ourselves of remembering our inner beauty always throughout the process, celebrating that. And uh, we know that ER is the month of healing, right? Aleph Yud Yud Reish is Ani Hashem Refecha. It's also the eighth month of the year. Eight is the number of healing, right? Eighth Brachan Shman Eser. Refaini, this is the month of healing. And the highest level of healing is really when we have balance, right? balance in everything. Perfect alignment is a place of physical healing. It's a place of spiritual healing. So through the gift of through the gifts of the teachings of our Rebbe and our Rebbeim that teach us how to refine ourselves, we will arrive at Shavuos when we receive the Taira, Taira's Chaim, Eitz Chaim Hi Lamachazikimba, that the Torah is a living tree that gives life and health to all who hold on to her. And through this work, we will find perfect healing in our own neshamas, in our emotional selves, in our physical selves. And the Mitzvah Shem will bring healing for the whole world. So, I know I usually do it on the Rosh uh, Chaydesh, but it's where in the middle, but it's never too late, right? We're just, um, we're just coming from Pesach Sheni. It's always another chance. So if you haven't counted Sphere yet, 
you haven't started the work yet, it's never too late. Remember, it's a work in progress. It's a lifelong work. And Baruch Hashem comes around every year again because we need it every single time again. <laughs> We're never done the work. We're never spiral. done. Yes, exactly. It's a spiral and hopefully we're growing each year as we progress. So. Thank you. <laughs> but through a little. But do we want to actually change or do we want to grow? We don't want to change as in we don't want to. So this is the answer, right? We don't want to change. We don't want to become a different person. We want to refine. We want to create a new twist to our story. That place that we say we can't, or we're stuck, or we can't move there, a little movement right there. Just a little movement, right? That's, and that's big. And that's big. So. Like stretching. Yes, exactly. It's stretching, beautiful metaphor. You know, when you stretch, every little stretch, suddenly after a week of stretching, you well, I couldn't do this last week. Look what I could do today. It's a stretching exercise. I love that. <laughs>